Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. I was just praying over the rest of the summer about what we could speak on, and I really felt like the love of God is something that needs to be settled in our church. And so I'm going to be there for about seven, eight weeks. So if you're like, I don't want to hear about the love of God, we'll come back in two months and we'll be done with it. But right now, we're going to talk about the love of God, and we're going to start it off today. The title of my message is Love Abides. And I want us to just think about that word, abides. That means something that remains. And I I want us to, just as a church, think about this. Uh, Every place that we're unsettled in life, it, it comes out some way. If I'm unsettled as, as, as a mom, well, you know what I'm saying about in God's love, that means when my kids don't treat me the way I should, then as a mom or a dad, I'm going to respond, not according to how God loves me, but according to how they treat me, right? right? Trust me, I've got a teenager and a toddler. It's 50-50 with ever, either one at any time. I could be loved or disliked at any time. I never know what I'm going to get when I get, sometimes it's both, don't like me, and I just have to deal with it. But my love for them doesn't change as God's love doesn't change for me. But what's even greater is that my understanding of God's love for myself or how he loves me, that doesn't get shaken when someone else like my daughters don't show me that love in that moment. Now, this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. In fact, I would say that uh, pastoring people for a long time, this is probably the most important subject that I think the church, just in general, in Christianity, we have to get settled in. More than how much you know the Bible, because you can know the Bible and still not know the love of God. More than speaking in tongues, because you can speak in tongues and still not know the love of God. Uh, More than the purpose of God for your life, because you can know the purpose of God for your life and still not really have embraced the fullness of the love of God. Because the love of God is something that I think that we... Uh, test against how society measures love. Because we're in a world of rejection and gossip and hatred and if people don't like you, they don't let you in in traffic. And I was driving back from Dallas yesterday and there was a sign on the highway. This is where our society is. Our state is paying for signs that say, traffic is bad enough, let people in. Like, as a society, we're having to tell people, be nice. They told us that in kindergarten. I was with my daughter when she was in kindergarten, and these two little kids started getting into it and fighting. And the teacher, she grabbed them both and said, no, no, come here. What do you, no, is that any of your business? No, it was not. So why did you tattle? Okay, you don't do that. Now, you apologize to him, and you apologize to him. All right, now, you guys go play. Like, we're still having to be taught that as adults. Don't go road rage on people. Let someone in. Don't pull up to someone else's bumper and say, they're not, and act like you don't see him. Oh, I don't see him. I don't see him looking that way. Looking in the mirror like you don't see him. They're right against your bumper, but you're like, no, 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 not getting in here. Like, we still have to be told. Be nice. We're not getting anywhere, anywhere faster. 30 seconds later, come on. 
Now, I'm not going to do that, but you guys should do that because Jesus wants you to do that. No, I'm kidding. And the love of God is something that we have to be reminded of because the way we're treated by people sometimes isn't as loving as we wish it was. And we're living in a world where love towards us and kindness towards us is kind of like based on a reward system. So if you do great at work, you get rewarded with a loving increase in salary or a promotion. If you do nice things for your spouse, you get rewarded with loving words and, and kind things said about you. It, it, it's when you're in the world and you go to look for somebody on social media and you find out that they deleted you. And then you realize, oh, wow. Do, do you ever ask this question after that happens? What's wrong with me? Or what did I do? Or when someone just disconnects from you. Remember when you were younger, middle school, high school, whatever, college age, and, and somebody would just like be done with you? Friends or whatever. I know I'm going deep here, sorry, but we got to get to the love of God, trust me. That messed with you. It messed with your heart. It messed with your mind why someone would stop talking to you. So that happened to me a lot because I guess I'm a terrible friend, I think. No, it happened to me a lot because I'm such a people person. I'm with a lot of people. So I always expect, like, I'm cool with everybody. I guess everybody should be cool with me. And I remember one time this buddy of mine, I've known him probably one of the longest since I was, like, 13, 14. Uh, I went to go check on him because I heard he was going through some bad stuff. And he, he deleted me from social media. And I was like, whoa, okay, bro. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That's what I was feeling and thinking. Kind of stepped back and let it go. Six, seven, eight months goes by. Then he adds me back. So then I wonder, what, what do you do in those moments? Like, do you like, I thought you'd see the light. No, you didn't say that. Eh? <laughs> I was like, hey, man, how's, how are things going? I said, hey, man, what, what happened? I'm, I'm just that friend that's going to go there. So be careful if you want to be friends with me. I'm going to go there. Hey, man, what, what's going on? What, what happened? And he just said, man, it was just, I was going through a lot and I just, I canceled everybody out. And in that moment, I realized it wasn't me, it was everybody. We got to remember that sometimes when people are messing with us in our heart, man, it's not just you, it's everybody. It's everything in their life. They're mad at everybody. They're mad at the dog, they're mad at the president, they're mad at their mom, they're mad at grandma, their dead ancestors, they're mad at them, they're mad at everybody. Because the love of God hasn't settled something in them to where, they don't realize that even if people aren't treating them right, they don't have to reject them. They can just move on. They don't have to stop there and become unsettled and spend time and energy wondering why people aren't treating them the way that they wish that they would. And the more that you try to impact people and help people and lead people, the more people are going to be dissatisfied with you. Y'all got real quiet on that, so I think you're, you're leading some people here. So you start leading people, and people have expectations of you. You don't meet those expectations, and then those relationships start to become frayed. Now, you may not be aware of this, but in their mind, the relationship's becoming frayed. And then that can affect you when, if you're not settled in the love of God. See, here's the beauty of walking with Jesus. It's Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 
while we were still messing it up, screwing it up, unaware of the love of God, unfaithful to God, disconnected, probably uninterested in God, he still loved us. Now, I don't know where you are on the scale of church and God and, 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 and life in Christ and in community and, and all of that that we're doing here. Because this is not a church where people just, quote, attend. Like, if, if, that's, if that's it, like, that, that doesn't last very long before you're like, I'm out of here. These people want me to be a part of something. I'm out. Or you're like, all right, I, I guess I'll jo- join in, even if it's reluctantly. But that's just kind of how it is. Like, we're not at the church where I'm like, hi, beautiful people of God. Hello. Thank you so much for coming today, and we'll see you next week. That's just not how we do this. We're just trying to do the New Testament where, where there's life-on-life love and ministry and forgiveness and ups and downs and difficulties, and then we work it out together, and we try and take all of that, not for ourselves, but try and turn that into the mission of God for a city that needs God, a nation that needs God, a world that needs God. So church isn't even really about us. We're getting fed today to go understand the love of God so that we can go out and show more of the love of God. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die, die for us while we were still sinners. Can I say that for your life and for Grace Avenue Church to be everything that God has created it to be, the love of God has to be settled in you. And as long as there's momentum, as long as there's forward progress, as long as you're doing better now than you were six months ago or six years ago, you're making progress. But I promise you that as a mom, a dad, a leader, as a Christian, as a student, as a manager, wherever you are in life, if the love of God, if you claim Jesus as your Savior, the love of God is not settled in you, somebody in church is going to upend that and unsettle you pretty quickly. Or somebody in your family or somebody at work, or your brother, or your sister, or your kids. Because we're these human relationships trying to interact with each other, and so much of our acceptance and happiness with ourselves is dependent upon how other people receive us and treat us. And life is not the school playground. It's not recess. It's difficult, and we have to learn how to embrace the love of God for ourselves because our kids are coming up with all kinds of rejection and craziness out there, and we have tons of people suiciding all the time, and we have to help people understand, even if people don't like you, God still loves you. God still created you. God still saved you for a purpose and has a purpose for you. But we'll never be able to tell them that if we're unsettled ourselves. If we're reacting to everyone and everything that doesn't give us the entitled things that we think we're set up for in life. Through this series, God wants to settle all of us, our our, our church. We're about to be two locations by early next year. A lot of change is going to happen. And nothing freaks out older Christians more than change. Newer Christians are like, yes, Jesus is changing things. Older Christians are like, bro, you're sitting in my seat. I've been sitting there for 15 years. Come on, move it, move it. I'll get, I'll get the head usher over here. I, he's my son-in-law. I'll get him. Get out. Move it, bro. Not in this church, but in other churches I've been to, that'll happen. See, love is the thing that we have to settle in ourselves, the love of God. And it has to happen in a deep place. First John chapter 4, 16. I hope this verse just 
make sense of this entire message that I'm trying to speak today. 1 John 4.16, so we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. We've come to know and believe the love that God has for us. What if, if all of Grace Avenue Church, every Christian in Grace Avenue Church, every person in Grace Avenue Church, this community and the next community, what, what if that got so settled in us that we have come to know and to believe that God has love for us, that from now on, the love that people don't have for us didn't unsettle us anymore? You'd be like that guy in traffic that's like, come on in, bro. It's okay. There's traffic. Go ahead. Come in. Come in. It's all good. God loves me. And God loves your angry self. <laughs> You'd be settled. What happens when people dump you, reject you, gossip about you, criticize you? Like if you want to make any impact, you've got to go out into the war zone, right? Into the world, into society, you, whether it's work, family, some of your relatives. You've got to go into environments and be settled in God's love for you. You have to be more settled in the holiday seasons than ever. Because <laughs> you're going to talk to people that you haven't talked to in a year, and you'd rather not anyway, but you're gathered around the same environments, trading gifts. Come on, say amen. Don't go quiet on me. I'm sorry if they're sitting next to you today. I didn't plan to make this uncomfortable. But it happens. And you have to be settled. So we've come to know. What if that could be said about your life and my life? I've come to know. And I've come to believe the love that God has for me. What that just settled once and for all. The unsettled places in my life. It would change everything. It changed the way you make decisions. It changed the way you enter places, and it would change the way you leave places. Come on, how many... How many Places and people have we left based on how they've treated us or how we perceive that people have treated us. And if you don't get this settled in you, you get into church life and then some dude at the door doesn't look at you right. And you're like, man, what's that dude's problem? Man, he's got an attitude. What's his problem? Maybe the dude's been standing there for 45 minutes and has had to go to the bathroom. Maybe he ain't thinking about you at all. Maybe his bladder's about to explode. And somebody didn't show up for the shift like they said they would. And now he's covering them. And he was working till 2 in the morning. And he's watching the door faithfully. And he didn't think about that. He thought, I'm about to pee my pants. But you, because you're unsettled in love for yourself and God's love for you, go, man, what's that dude's problem? See, man, these Christians, man, all these Christians, man. All these Christians. Hey, I've been there, man. I, I know what it's like. And when I recognize those things in myself, I have to ask God, what are you trying to settle in me, God? Yeah. What are you trying to settle in me? Jesus was rejected and despised by men. That's what it says. He was rejected and despised. I know some people have gotten mad at us before, but has anybody ever just re flat out rejected and despised you? and gossiped about you, and spread lies about you. Well, Jesus went through that too. But his love was settled in the love of the Father, who affirmed him, so it didn't shake the stable ground that he was on. That's where I want to live. 
I want to live in that stable place where the love of God is so settled for me. It doesn't matter what people think. If you're going to lead people in any form or fashion, you're going to have to have this in you. If you've got more than two people in your life that you're leading, if you're a manager, if you're a supervisor, if you're, if you're leading a shift of people, you know, <laughs> I, was, I was at the NICU this last week uh, where my, my daughter Eden was born, uh, and she spent three months of her life there, and I got to go back in our church. We got to serve them, like um, parents who are in the NICU, we got to serve them dinner. Uh, give yourselves a hand, Grace Avenue. This was your tithes and offerings. We got to serve them dinner. Got to spend time just talking with them, encouraging them, asking how they're doing. Just talk to parents. I got to talk to nurses and staff. I got to catch up with people. I got to catch up with the, the first dude who was the first dude besides me to take care of my daughter. He was the respiratory therapist. He's the guy who took a mask that was about this big, and he placed it over my daughter's little mouth. Her head was probably about that small. She was two pounds. She was like this. And I said, hey, Michael. He goes, hey. And he, he didn't remember me. I was like, man, I just want to, I want to tell you, this is what your contribution did to my life. I've watched that video because I was recording what you were doing, and I've watched it over and over because right after that, for those of you who don't know, my, my baby was kind of there for three months, and my wife was in another hospital, almost didn't make it, so it was kind of a crazy three months where we didn't know if my wife was going to live, and the baby was kind of fighting for her life to grow from two pounds, and I said, man, like, you were the first dude who took care of my little daughter. And he just, like, he went into this whole thing of, man, I, you just made my day, man. Like, nobody, nobody's told me this. Like, I, I, don't, I don't hear this a lot. I'm just so used to doing my job that, like, I don't, even, I don't even think about it. I said, dude, what you do is not just a freaking job. You saved my daughter's life. You, you, you put air into my daughter's lungs. You monitored her heart. She was two pounds. You monitored on whether or not she could stay alive. Dude, that's not a job. That's a calling. And that's incredible what you've done, man. I'm telling you. Like, he was like, whew, I feel like I could take on the world. I said, well, go take on the world, man, because you're made to do it. Seriously. I was actually kind of shocked that he didn't be like, a, you know, because when you do a good job, you should kind of know you do a good job. But I don't know if this guy just hadn't heard it before. I don't know what's going on. But I'm telling you, man, he's... He's now settled in this. God's made him to do something that he's uniquely crafted, gifted, and talented to do. I'm settled enough in me to encourage someone someone else in what they're doing. Not to feel insecure about someone else getting praise because I was in a vulnerable position and he helped me with that. I was working out at the gym one time, just doing CrossFit, and there was this partner water with this guy. And I'd worked out with him three or four times before, and we hadn't really gone deep. It was just more like panting and high-fiving, oh, thanks, God, and then laying on the floor. And then this one time, we kind of broke into conversation in between sets, and he said, uh, he asked me what I do. So I, I always hesitate to tell people what I do because it's, it's going to go really good or really bad according to their perceptions. Really good or really bad according to their experiences, or it's just going to go freaking weird as soon as I say it. As was the case with one of my neighbors one time when I was talking, just met him, just moved into the house. 
he's, uh, he, he's there at the house and he's walking his dog and I've been talking to him straight for a minute and a half so the conversation's moving, it's flowing, it's not stopping. And I ask him what he does, he tells me he's military, he gives me his background, then I ask him, hey, uh, he asked me, what, what, what do you do? I said, oh, well, I pastor a church. And he was just, his eyes, like, it's like I had said, I'm from another planet. And he just went, oh, okay. And then just started walking his dog. <laughs> like, literally, that was my introduction to him. And I was just kind of like watching him go like, uh, okay. It was cool after that for another couple of years, you know. But that's what happens sometimes. So anyways, when he asked me, what do you do? The guy at the gym, I said, I pastor a church. And we started talking about his faith. I asked him when his faith experience was when he came to Christ, when he came to a, uh, the place of salvation, where God saved him. And he started telling me that he went to church uh, with his wife, but he went reluctantly. And he was there for her. And I remember that. I, that was me. And um, I remember he said that he was somehow looped into an Easter production. <laughs> like, can you imagine, like, you're going to church for your wife. You don't even want to be there. And all of a sudden, you're now dressed as one of the Roman soldiers carrying a whip. <laughs> like, this, <laughs> this was him. And, he, and this is what happened. I, I kid you not. This is the best story I think I've ever heard in my entire life. He said, I, I was with two or three other guys, and we were dressed as the Roman soldiers, and we were walking the, the Jesus with the cross on his, on his back to the place of the hill, and I took that whip, and as, and as me and the other soldiers were whipping Jesus, the guy playing Jesus, he said the fake blood from one of the other guy's whips splashed across his face. Now, I'm in the gym with this guy. We're still sweating, breathing heavy, tired. Everybody's all around us, loud music. He's telling me this, and then he just puts his face down. He just starts crying right there. And I'm like, hey, bro, hang on now, okay? Hey, <laughs> easy now. I got a reputation around here. Like, <laughs> You're going to weird out people. People think I'm a pastor. They're going to make you cry. You can't do this. <laughs> and um, he said, when that blood hit my face, I knew he did that for me. He's like, it was like the light turned on. I mean, this dude is just like, he's trying to control it, but he's like sobbing. He's like trying to, trying to hold it in. And like, you know what that was? That was a revelation of the love of God. And he said his life was changed from that day forward. Now he serves at his church. He's involved at his church. He's a, he's a part of the community. He's, he's growing in Christ, growing in his own relationship with God, raising his daughters in the faith. I mean, but this is the revelation that I'm talking about. Because you can hear it all your life. You can say it. God loves you, bro. But to really know and believe that God loves you, man, that, that's, that's another level. It's a revelation, and it'll stop you in your tracks and settle you in things that are unsettled. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. See, to know his love abides and to know it remains when other people's love fades, man, that's deep. That's not flaky. That's deep. To abide means to stay, to remain in a place or a state, to expect something in the future, to continue to exist, to remain in existence, to keep on, to continue in an activity or state, an aspect of an action. See, a revelation of the love of God will arrest you, it'll captivate you, it'll transform you, and it'll settle you. 
That's what happened with that man. He was arrested by the love of God. He was captivated by it. It transformed him, and it settled him. It happened to me, too. Now, my, my, my story is a story where I, I left the city of Austin, Texas. I partied that city to the ground <laughs> and then ran for my life out of there. And God got a hold of me in a way that was different than I'd been brought up with in church. My parents brought me to church. They taught me the Bible. We had a, a solid home. Not a perfect home, but a solid home. So by nature, you would think, oh, well, things should go well with Daniel. Well, they didn't go well with Daniel. Daniel was pretty ticked off by 17 and was pretty angry until 21 and pretty messed up till 21 and just pretty much a mess. And then God got a hold of me and he settled his love in me. And it meant I could leave things that I had been embracing before. It, mean, it meant I could abandon things that were not good for me or, or no longer good for me, never were good for me, but certainly no longer good for me now because I know who God has made me to be. Can I tell you that, like, we could talk all day about God and whether he's real and space and alien. When the revelation of the love of God comes into a person's soul, everything changes. All bets are off. You could tell me to the end, to your blue in the face about the existence of God, but the love of God, when it settles you, it's not just about logic. It's a revelation. And Jesus talks about this. He's, he said it to the woman at the well that there was water that she would drink where she would no longer thirst for anything else. That's a revelation. Other people would be like, water? I'm not thirsty. What are you talking about? I don't need any more water. No, I'm not talking about that. Talk about the water of the Spirit that will change you. A revelation of the love of God is the greatest thing that we can ever get a hold of. I want to know what my purpose is. Do you have a revelation of the love of God? I want to know who I'm going to marry. Do you have a revelation of the love of God? I want to have a big family. Do you have a revelation of the love of God? I want to advance in my career. Do you have a revelation of the love of God? First things first. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus knew if we get the first things first, the right things right, we can build upon a solid foundation. He said, whoever hears my words and applies them to their life is like a person who builds their house upon a rock versus the person who builds their house upon the sand. So when the storms of life come, it's blown down, messed up, laid in tatters and in shambles. But the person who builds upon the rock, their life will remain. Come on, if you've ever felt like you're crumbling at the core it's time to get back to the love of God. If you've ever felt like you're unsettled at the core, talking about everything from as extreme as suicide, and I want to get out of here, to I don't know if I'm worth anything, to I don't know if I'm loved, this is the remedy right here. To settle in the love of God. To let it sink so deep inside you like a sponge that absorbs all of the love of God that you know what? It, does, it doesn't really matter. If people don't, don't love me anymore. doesn't matter what they said about me. doesn't matter what they think about me. My love is settled. Yeah, it can be annoying and misunderstandings and misperceptions. I get it. But I'm talking it won't destroy me at the core and drive me to extreme decisions. 
extreme decisions. There was a, um, I, I didn't know much about him, but there was a, a YouTuber, uh, he's like a gamer, and he had like a famous YouTube channel. He just took his life a couple days ago, last week. And he, he literally like films himself walking to the place where he's gonna kill himself. And he's just putting it out there. And, and, and here's what's sad about social media. Like, because this guy didn't know the love of God, he's actually sending his send-off video to a world to get love that he's not even receiving because now he's dead. He's gone. Like, it's so deep. He, he didn't have the capacity to understand that he was already loved, not just by God, but probably by a lot of people. But his, his own perception of his failures and his mistakes acted like a catalyst into a dark place rather than a place of questioning and saying, wait, wait, but what is God's love for me? See, see, we can have the love of thousands of YouTube followers watching us daily, praising our every move, conventions and things that we go to and, and, and have high positions, but, but if the love of God isn't settled on in us, what happens is the love of people is not enough. Money's not enough. Success is not enough. Admiration's not enough. Ministry's not enough. Doing something great for God is not the answer. If I could just get my, my, my life from this messed up place to do something for God, I'm telling you, that's not the answer. God isn't asking you to do anything for him. He's asking you to receive something from him. And it's his love. What did God the Father say to Jesus? The first thing, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He affirmed Jesus. He accepted Jesus. He settled in people's eyes who Jesus is. He didn't say, this is my son who's going to go out and do great things and make a name for himself and have people respect him. My son's going to do something in life. No, he let everybody know, I'm pleased with who he is because of who he is. And in Christ, God is pleased with who we are. That doesn't then give us a license to sin. It doesn't give us a license to do what we want. It gives us a license to embrace grace and pursue the throne of God. I'm loved so much, I don't need the things that God doesn't love. And what God loves is what I want to love. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, last verse. God says this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Nobody else has done that. Can I just say that on this earth? No one else has done that, not even your spouse. And she'll be happy to admit that to you. Or he will. I've loved you with an everlasting love, therefore... I've continued my faithfulness to you. Can I, can I tell you that even in your unfaithfulness to God at times, God has still been faithful to you. There, there's never been a time where you've messed it up so bad or been so disconnected or just, let's just say, uninterested in God. That's another place. Just, I'm not down with this. I'm indifferent to it. Like, I'm here because the kids, I'm here because better than the last bar I was at. I don't get into so much trouble here. Like even, an, even an, a, a disconnection and an indifference to God has still remained faithful to you. Still loved you. Still embraced you. 
still has purpose for you. And can I say that on your best day of life, God loved you so much. And on your worst day of life, God loves you just as much as he did on your best day. Because the love of God is unchanging. It's everlasting. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.